Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Time with James Sweetman. Thank you for tuning in. This week I'm joined by Chris Flack. And I know we're going to have a fascinating conversation about working smarter in an always-on world. And as an expert in the field, we'll chat about flexible working arrangements and work design, very hot topics at the minute. But first, I have to say a massive thank you to everyone who sent me notes and emails and comments acknowledging the 100th episode of my podcast last week. It was great to read how much people are enjoying my weekly musings and my chats with guests. So thank you for those messages of support and encouragement. Yeah, but back to this week and episode 101, let me give you some background on my guest, guest uh, Chris Flack. Chris is the co-founder of Unplug, a behaviour change consultancy committed to supporting individuals and organisations to work smarter in an always connected world. Chris has over 15 years experience in tech and organisational behaviour consulting. He has experienced and witnessed the impact that information overload and an always-on culture has in people's lives. He's worked in senior strategy roles for international aid organizations around the globe. He's an accredited All-Stars thought leader, a lead teacher at the Digital Wellness Institute, and regularly speaks at events throughout Europe. He's scheduled to complete an MSc in organizational psychology in DCU, my old alma mater, this July. And maybe most importantly, he's the proud daddy of Enzo, a six-month-old golden cocker spaniel. So, Chris, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining me this week. It's great to be here, James. And just on cue, as soon as you introduced the fact that I'm proud daddy to Enzo, I heard a bark in the background. Oh, so did he hear his he's, name? He's, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he's famous. <laughs> the um, uh, Chris, you're the co-founder of Unplug. Um, and it's an organization that for me is so on topic at the minute mm -hmm. with everything that's going on in the world. But tell us a little bit about your, your work and the nature of what you do at Unplug. Sure. So I'll give a little bit of context uh, just in relation to how I first became involved. So my, mm -hmm. my background was actually in technology. I worked in technology consulting for about 15 years. So for big companies right. like Capgemini and areas like data analytics, big data. And at the time, I was a huge fan of technology, and I still am. But what mm. that meant was I was pretty much the first person in my office to get an iPhone, to get a tablet, to be online 24-7, which I thought at the time was really good. But over time, it started to have a very negative impact on my own productivity and my, my well-being. Mm. So I actually changed sector uh, in around 2010, totally unrelated, um, but I ended up working in India for the sanitation charity WaterAid for about 18 months. And a lot of that time I spent off the grid. So it was almost as if I had this really interesting controlled social experiment where I could see the impact technology was having on my life when I wasn't using it, plus mm. or when I was back, back here in Ireland. And it got me really curious about the subject, if I'm to be honest. And that was around 2014 when I came back. Uh, so I started working with psychologists and neuroscientists. And that was really the seeds for Unplug, building on science that shows if we make some small changes in how we use technology, we can have some really positive impacts uh, mm. on our, our productivity and our well-being. Mm. So we actually set the company up in 2015. And I think a lot of the... The time we spent for the first couple of years was almost around advocacy and awareness because the subject was very, very new. Um, it was something that we we kind of had to go in and 
tell people what it was about before we could talk about behavior change. Mm. It's very different from, from today. So I know in 2017, obviously, we met at the All yes. Islands Business uh, event with Kapil and Elaine, a yes. fantastic event. I think we were both on stage with Bobby Kerr, which was great. That's right. Um, but there was a big change for us at the end of that year when what happened uh, globally was a lot of parents put pressure on the key technology platforms that influence our behavior. So the likes of Facebook, Alphabet, which is Google and Apple. Uh, and as a result, at the beginning of 2018, they all launched what they called digital well-being strategies. Um, we were actually part of the, the digital well-being strategy launch for Google. Mm. And I, th I think the reason we were part of that launch was the tools are fantastic, but why Google wanted us to be on board was what's really important is that people understand why they have to use the tools and how they can use the tools. So that made it quite a lot easier for us as far as all of a sudden digital well-being was in the mainstream lexicon. People had the tools built onto, into their phones. So it's really down to us to help people educate as to why and, and how they use them. Um, so I'd say around 2019, we started going into what we would say a lot further kind of deep work around masterclasses, around work design, um, and really more in behavior change than just raising awareness. So I think at the end of 2019, we were probably in about 60 organizations across Europe. And then obviously 2020, everything yes. changed yeah. um, in, in a massive way. And, and, and so much for the likes of you and I, whereby we were used to being in rooms full of humans and having that lovely interaction as everyone was, but we were used to doing it on stage. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, what's the option here? Mm. So we, you know, so like so many companies have, and I know you have as well, you know, we, we decided to pivot totally and, and rewrote all of our programs to be based on remote first working. The relevance obviously became so much stronger because of people's challenge to disconnect with the always on culture and blurred boundaries. Mm. Um, so from a, I guess, a, a kind of a, a funny bit of history as far as the experience, you know, I remember at the beginning of lockdown, I had a felt green screen and some really basic lighting from from amazon as did uh, the rest of the team and yeah, i think the first couple of presentations i did i had a, a garden table a step ladder i had all of you know my, my key things like speak slowly and mention you know make sure you're mentioning this partner make sure you're mentioning this this technique balancing on a broom handle it was seller taped to the step ladder and you know, and halfway through the presentation you know everything all the sticky tape was coming undone but behind the screen you know they could see this really nice virtual background and the presentation was all slick uh, luckily now that's changed quite a lot you know I've a, I have a proper chroma green screen painted wall with a, a proper lighting rig and it's it's so much easier but that that was a, a really interesting learning but I, I think one thing that really struck us last year was all of a sudden as we were all faced into as, as um, McKinsey and company called it you know the quickening this amazing yes, uh, yes. adoption of, of IT and kudos to all the IT departments out there for making it work but we soon started to realize you know that that, that challenge as far as okay so this is quite hard on me mentally and from a productivity point of view am I just working longer hours so a lot of organizations started coming back to us but what they were looking for was very different and I think in, in the short run, um, we struggled with it a little bit because they, they wanted tactical fixes, which is what none of us really knew where it was going. If we think of the, the middle of last year, we didn't know how long this was going to go on for. We assumed that we'd be back in the office by the end of the year. So a lot of people were just looking at almost firefighting. You know, they just wanted 15 tips in 10 minutes. 
Yeah. And they, you know, and they were looking at the really important things like psychological safety and how can we manage people's um, demands and their resources. But what that has evolved into is more of an area of work design, which is really where we have found ourselves now. And it's it's something having worked in the area of helping organizations with their digital culture for the last couple of years and kind of getting ready for legislation like Rights Disconnect, we're finding ourselves in a really good spot right now. So we still do do a lot of keynotes um, around what we would call digital well-being. So kind of mm. giving the awareness as to why they use the tools, how they use the tools and what's relevant to them. But a lot more we're finding ourselves doing masterclasses in work design. So actually helping people to manage the workplace so that it's more effective and successful within this remote first world. Yeah, yeah, almost like macro level as opposed to just the, the quick tips, as you say, Chris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is, you know, it's it's hard work. And it's, it's something that I think... I, I've always struggled a little bit with the phrase or the word, sorry, well-being, because quite mm. often, you know, that's seen as I, I know Adam Grant, the the work yeah. psychologist, often phrases it as as far as it's, you know, it's like a band-aid. Um and for us, so what so many times people have really good intentions, but they 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 see well-being as just ticking the box. Whereas Behavior change is really hard, right? If we think of just the fact that technology in, 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 in the realms of a smartphone has only been around really mainstream yes. for about 15 years, and yet mm -hmm. it totally rules our life, right? So we can't just assume that by having a 20-minute talk, all of a sudden we're like, yep, that's fixed. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, it's hard work, right? Um, so I, I think much as I'd like to think all organizations all of a sudden will see the importance of work design. It's a very much, it's, it's a slow burner for us. It's not something that we want to see organizations rush into, but we are at the moment, we have three or four pilots of large organizations where they're, they're taking it very seriously at a board level, which is fantastic to see. Yeah. And at least it's, it's in awareness. Whereas in the early days of your, your business, Chris, there was that educational aspect to it that you had to do, yeah. you know, educating people or bringing or, or, or sort of informing them as to why this is relevant and why you need to pay attention. But that exactly. quickening, as you're mentioning, or the, the acceleration, as I phrased it, yeah. um, has yeah. brought it to people's attention. I know, yep. I know from going in and visiting your, your website, unplughq.com, if I have that right, Chris, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of resources. And I think you even have a, a little introductory, um, um, introductory pack on this topic in there am i right did i, I did yeah. i see um um resources that are available so so your yeah. website unplughq.com yeah the, absolutely the yeah there's, there's also there's a sample video of how we deliver and the reason i'm mentioning that is you know we we spent a lot of time not just taking the old program and putting it so that it was ready for teams or ready for zoom we rebuilt it from the ground up because for us you know we work in the world of the attention economy and yes. trying to improve engagement so it was really important to make sure that this was very effective in today's world. So our, our video deliveries are very different. They're super engaging. Um, we've got loads of really positive testimonials and they're really good fun. The yeah. only thing I would say, they're, they're not nearly as much fun to deliver, James. You know, I'm sure you have this as well, where, you know, you're used to looking out from uh, the front of a boardroom or a, yeah. a stage looking down. And even sometimes then you kind of, you know, you never can really tell whether people are engaged because they might just be tired. But yeah. when you're just staring at a, a laptop webcam it's kind of like you know I, I had one i had one yesterday where it's you know it's that thing of 300 people were there and i almost had to visualize beforehand just 
go through that. Okay, this I need to get this spike of adrenaline to energy. To, you're to right. Get, get me, yeah. get me in, in flow. So I, I did visualize three hundred people in my 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 back room, which it's, it's funny. I'm sure you get three here. But yeah, <laughs> as 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 you put the cellar tape together to keep the laptop in place, <laughs> I do have to laugh at that one because my my um, I've um, I've I've a big box that sort of the laptop is is placed on to mm. to keep it at eye level with me. But um, I'm fortunate, and again, it's it's you you would know this too that the um, whereas I use I'm well used to delivering workshops and talks, and some of them were delivered online before, particularly to international audiences. But there's there's far more of that now, and um, and you're trying to get the energy for 300 people tuning in, but it's just you sitting there. Maybe the slippers are still on, you know, under yeah. the desk, uh, yeah. looking at a red dot and wondering is anyone actually there? But anyway, yeah. there was yeah. there was so much there in what you were what you were saying around what it is that you that you do, Chris. And and one or two one or two things I'm trying to think of of, of audiences listening into us here, and I know I know some. Are, are you know people who are living at work that phrase now where they're always on at home and maybe at an individual level are looking for um, uh, you know to, to monitor or to manage their own digital well-being above and beyond you know whatever their organizations um, uh, how they support them in it is there any little quick tips you would have in that area at an individual level for people who are who are just feeling that they're always switched on, what can what can I do that might just help help me feel a little bit more empowered or to give me a little bit more headspace almost? Sure, yeah. Um, it's it's a really really tricky one because I think the thing that we mm. often forget is we all are very different in our use of technology. And this, as far as how today's world of remote working, that spectrum's got even wider because some yeah. of us have different access to technology. As far as we might not have broadband, or we might be working in a shared space. So we all have different resources and different demands on us but far more so now as far as the spectrum has grown um what i would say that's really important is to have that awareness first of all to actually almost identify where some of the challenges are so the tools are built into our phones which is great so on um, apple we have screen time on, yes. on android so google phones we have digital well-being and it's just having a look you know being curious as to see how much am i using technology during an average week and it, it can be quite surprising you know i know we did a documentary with vogue williams about two or three years ago where she was under the impression that she was using instagram for four hours a day and i think she was using it for eight hours a day oh my god um and and the, i mean the, the challenge there is to remember to be self-compassionate because at the time i think she was a little bit shocked but when we you know we sat down and talked about it the whole thing was this is your career right this is where you, yeah. you, you need <laughs> yeah, to be spending job. your time but it is being aware of almost have it having the awareness so you can start to manage um and i'd also recommend just having a think as to some of the behaviors we have so one of the scientific studies that we refer to pretty much every every workshop or keynote mm -hmm. that we have because to me it's so important it's called the iphone effect um it's been replicated at least five times now it was originally out of virginia tech in 2014 um but what it shows us is that for any digital device so although it's called the iphone effect it's for any digital device yes. um if we have it in our line of sight if it's switched off so even if it's switched off and turned over it will influence negatively influence our behavior so our iq and our empathy will be negatively impacted by up to 30 percent and i think it's it's worthwhile thinking you know 18 months ago 
if we were sat down doing a work call, it's very unlikely we'd have that many other devices open. Whereas now, because we need to keep in contact with the family, because there's just so much more going on, you know, we need to be kept up to date with the news. So typically, when I was running some masterclasses for a bank a couple of weeks ago, and the winner, if that's the right way of putting it, one person had eight devices open at one time. Oh, my goodness. And it's, <laughs> it's that whole thing of thinking, okay, so where is my intention right now? Yeah. Because it's really important that I, I do all these things but my most my, my where I want to get my deep work on my priority is maybe just my laptop so let's switch the other stuff off and it doesn't mean we do that all the time but if you can identify one part of your life whether it is on your work desk which might be the kitchen counter or whether it's in a family environment think of the iPhone effect as far as if I'm having dinner if I have my phone on the table even if it's switched off and turned over part of my brain is going to be thinking work email checking TikTok, yes. checking the news, checking the sports. Um, and the same thing in the bedroom. You know, I mean, the bedroom is we're all struggling to disconnect. And yet so many of us have our smartphones in the bedroom because yeah. they're really, really good alarm clocks. We love listening to audiobooks. We like, you know, whatever it might be. But that whole idea of if it's there, the iPhone effect is in play. And that means that our brain is expecting to be thinking about that as well as intimacy and sleep when it should just be thinking about intimacy and sleep yeah. or otherwise you know we're not going to get that good quality rest yeah. um so yeah that my, my, my key tip would be awareness and then think of something like the iphone effect because it's such a dominant study as far as how, how it impacts our life That's, now. i've not come across that i must check that out in more detail mm. the iphone effect and it reminds me of a piece that i often share when i'm doing say you know results focus or time management or productivity tips or whatever with groups you know whereas in the past we might have called it multitasking you know, we sort of think I'm multitasking here at different things going, but really what it is, is continuous partial attention. And, yeah. and, and that is the opposite, of course, of productivity, where it's like focusing on something and getting something done. I'm yeah. Also, yeah. I'm also reminded because I, I uh, B.B. Baskin joined me on the podcast a few months ago now, and uh, we were speaking about um, uh, wellness and happiness and, and those broader areas. But the topic came up about she asked me, where's my phone at nighttime? And I said, mm. it's, on the, it's in the far corner of the bedroom. Um, you know, charging. Um, I don't use it as an alarm clock, you know, but I was still scolded live on air for having the, for having the iPhone within the same room as me at nighttime. So um, there's, uh, there, there's something to be said for that. I know, there is. I, I know, I know for, for many people tuning in and on that topic, you know, maybe as parents, they're also concerned about their children's screen time. And I suspect that that's a question you get fairly frequently. At, um, at events and at conferences. Anything, anything that you would offer there for the concerned parent who's, who's, who's seeing their, 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 their children with their, with their devices almost like umbilical cords to them? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing for us is almost back to that awareness piece of just looking at the, the environment. Quite often what's happening is, you know, when children are learning to self-regulate and they're going through that co-regulation phase, mm. they're looking at other people in the environment. So they're looking at us as parents and we need to mirror good behaviors however right. that is really really hard when we were homeschooling and working from home yes. because our child might be playing on the floor uh, and if they if we're having a good day they might be quiet but they'll look across and they'll see us on the kitchen counter on the laptop in their minds that technology potentially we could be playing roblox so it's trying to create good a good mirror but doing that with psychological detachment. So the idea of potentially when you start your working day, putting on something that actually signifies you're working. So a brooch, a tie, a work jacket, and just saying, okay, children, 
mommy or daddy's going to work now just put the jacket on and almost have the this is my formal stage where you can interrupt me but ideally please don't because work is very serious because i think it's really hard for children if they see us looking at technology they just assume that we're doing the same thing as they do when they look at technology so youtube for kids or um tiktok or whatever it might be so that that's something that we found it's really really um really really good resource another thing as far as i guess just looking for additional resources is using the website common sense media okay there's one thing i think we struggle as as parents is trying to keep up with technology that our, our kids are using you know i i've only just got my head around tiktok um and there's so many more new technologies out there and what common sense media does is it basically gives you a scoring. It's like the trip advisor of all the key technologies that families use out there. And not only does it um, give you ratings for different apps and different websites, probably more important in the younger generations, it also rates influencers. So you can see if there's any influencers who might look like they're kid friendly, but behind the scenes, you know, there might be political biases there, there might be stuff that needs to be censored. So this is a, a really, really good resource, Common Sense Media. I've um, not come to, across that one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantastic yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. gosh, no, that's that's helpful. And, and I think as you were speaking as well, it's funny how we can come at things from different angles. But often with my, with my well, all my coaching work now takes place online, but I'm often working with people who are, you know, in, in all the different roles at once between, you know, home teaching, you know, trying to manage a team, you know, organizing a household, whatever. And, um, and one of the one of the, the little tips I offer them is that segmentation as much as possible. I love the, the piece around, you know, putting on a jacket or, a you know, a, a work outfit to sort of show those in your environment that this is into work mode now. And that yeah. phrase of modes is something that I've been using and even trying to apply myself, you know, yeah. back in the day when you can get onto the plane, you can put your phone into airplane mode. It's exactly. like the, the different yeah. modes that we're, that we're in over the day, even if they're five minute segments. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I, I think one thing that we weren't aware of when we had the, the workplace and potentially a commute was that they were rituals that happened every yes. day. Yes. And, you know, we just kind of, all, all of a sudden we didn't, have them so we we fill that time for the majority of us with work yeah which you know it's we, we need to give ourselves that that buffer and i know there was research exactly. from mm. yeah there was research from microsoft last year showing that what the commute gave us was potentially around 15 percent increase in productivity because we learned from reflection and that was our downtime when we actually can just think about okay how are my meetings today or how are my meetings going to be or how are the kids doing at school and we don't typically have that time anymore because we're just going from meeting to meeting to meeting yeah. so what i mean one little ritual i do i do you know i i have a very disciplined life um some people might call it boring but i like to think <laughs> too but you know I, I i do change my clothes for work and i do go for a walk around the block for a commute and i do yeah. when i sit down at my desk to work i actually light a candle um and then i blow that candle out, out when the working day is over and i close the the laptop and these are all mini rituals mini ceremonies i also have um an egg timer and i work to um you'll be familiar with i'm sure the pomodoro technique so i would work for 25 minutes focused um, and then my egg timer finishes and i have a two minute break uh, and then i go back to the, the next task and it's all about trying to create deep work and focused work and so when you were saying earlier about multitasking mm. It's quite a personal passion of mine, James, to be right. honest, the, okay. the area of well, uh, uh, task switching is, is really interesting because I think 
a lot of us do like to think, as you suggested earlier, we can multitask and we, we, we can totally do that from a physical point of view. But mentally, yeah, very, very few people of us, people can do it. It's less, less than one percent. Um, and the interesting thing is it's not actually multitasking. It's task switching really. really OK. Quickly. And, and so the, the key researcher on this in relation to how it impacts us with technology is Professor Gloria Mark out of University of California, Irvine. And what she's found is historically, so 20 years ago, we would have been doing task A, we would have been interrupted. Then more than often, we would have gone back to task A. Because, I mean, we're going to get interrupted. We're wired yes, to be distracted. Yes. It's what keeps us alive, right? But what's happened now is because we have this continuous interruption and our brain becomes expecting that continuous mm. interruption you know if we do the iphone effect obviously it's going to expect it even more because there's all those screens in front of us mm-hmm. what that means is we then really struggle to get back to that original task in hand so if we just think for example if we're working from home and if the doorbell goes when we get back to that original task in hand it's very unlikely we're going to go straight back to work typically what we'll do is we'll open our parcel from amazon or we'll get distracted and do something else so we have to really think about how can i manage my focus so that i'm not getting distracted so it's even things like you know if the doorbell does go at certain hours you know can you potentially get that answer by somebody else because we really need to manage our time otherwise we end up continuously task switching that has a really big impact when it comes to things like rest, because then when we sit down and we go to bed, our brain is just going, well, hang on, I've been task switching all day. And I quite like that because I got fed dopamine and serotonin, maybe a little bit of oxytocin and it wants some more. So if we continuously do that, and I know I've spoken to lots of parents who are like, oh, my kids are total natural multitask. And it's like, <laughs> that's that's fantastic. But we have to remember, they also need to be bored because um, mm-hmm. that's how we evolve our, our, our ability to think and reflect and innovate. Um, so, you know, not that that's a one size fits all, but it is being aware that we can't really multitask and we need to encourage single tasking so that we can find yes. a balance. Yes, and uh, it Nathan, because one of the one of the things that that has sparked in me, it's something that I've realized myself, and it's now something I take into some group workshops, is where um, where we're looking to manage the transitions, uh, whether that's between the you know work mode, personal life mode, or just between meetings. It's 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 how do we how do we how do we move from and and and, and keep our focus where it needs to be. In, in those transitionary periods. And I think yep. that's where you were mentioning there about, you know, the egg timer. And I came across that recently for, 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 for myself, who's trying to get back into writing the next novel, as it were. <laughs> they recommended that. It's like, just set the egg timer for 20 minutes and just yep. write for 20 minutes. You yep. know, and 20 minutes is doable um, and you're chunking it down. So fascinating. You know, that's, that's and, and then that lady that you mentioned, uh, Professor Gloria Mark, Yep. Yeah, I must I must check out her work. It's not a name I've come across for for um, task switching and yeah. yeah. I think another thing that's important there is rewarding yourself because as I said, I mean, my life is super disciplined. I'm one of those weirdos that goes to bed very early and I wake up at half five and I do, you know, my meditation and my exercise before I start work around eight o'clock and then I finish on time. But I reward myself by when I have breaks, I go downstairs and I play with my dog or I have maybe uh, a chunk of chocolate or whatever it is that rewards me. And I think if we were just to consider that, say, for example, you talked about the bedroom earlier in relation to maybe potentially getting technology out the bedroom what a lot of people do is they just think okay well i'm gonna get rid of the smartphone out of the bedroom i only get an alarm clock potentially what you're doing there is 
you're kind of punishing yourself because smartphones are, you know, there's so many benefits to them. Sure. And we, we have at the moment so much more need to be closer to them mm-hmm. with, you know, uh, just a need potentially if there's relevant news such as restrictions changing or just keeping in contact with people who we can't see face to face. So it's that idea of how can I reward myself if I'm making change and doing it in very, very small amounts. So we would recommend if you are going to take the smartphone out of the bedroom, doing it one night a week, just to introduce it slowly <laughs> on a drip feed. You know, turkey. <laughs> exactly, you know, um, but also, you know, treat yourself. So, you know, get yourself a nice alarm clock. And what, what I mean, what, what's really interesting is a lot of new technology can do that in a very, I guess, less manipulative way. So things like voice assist, so Alexa in the bedroom without a screen is fantastic because you can still listen to audio books, you can still have music, but at the same time, there's not the screen. So you don't yeah. wake up and go, right, I'm in the news, Facebook, TikTok. Um, so that's a really nice one. Or something like the Philips Sunlight Wake Up Alarm. Yes. Uh, but it's finding what works for you. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I know there's, there's another key area I want to chat with you on, um, Chris, as well. And it, 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 it struck me because I was reading this headline uh, in, the, in the paper a few weeks ago from Salesforce, you know, that was declaring the, the nine to five office hours concept is, is dead. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think it's as simple as that. There's so many variables at play. But yeah. I think this brings us into that whole area of flexible working arrangements, you know, versus work design. And I know that that's an area mm-hmm. that you, you know, that's, that, that, that's very much close to home for you and what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is, it's a really interesting area because I think it's great that companies are offering this. Um, the cynical person in me behind the scenes is like, you know, this is very much an employer branding thing. Um, but if we look at, I guess, the key benefit of it, it's, it's the autonomy that it's giving to staff will enable them to be more motivated. You know, autonomy is, is a key part yes. of self-determination theory. But the thing to be aware of there is there's some potential unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when we first got smartphones, we're like, these are amazing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, we can't go to sleep. Um, <laughs> and it's it's that whole idea of, let's just take, for example, the, the news that broke over the weekend in relation to graduates and Goldman Sachs and the, yes. the horrendous hours they were yes. working. Now, a lot of that comes down to the, the fact that you know, th- th- that was a huge challenge and, and, and not good news. But when we don't have guardrails, when we don't have norms and values that are shared, potentially you could be working, even if you have flexible working arrangements, you could be working all the hours, mm-hmm. God's God given, you know. So it's, and the other thing to, to bear in mind is back to what I was saying earlier is before, when we were in the office, we all have different work demands and resources, but we could typically see, you know, I'd look across and see, okay, James looks like he's having a, just looks like he's got a lot on, a lot on yeah. today. I'll leave, I'll leave that email or I'll leave that meeting. Whereas now we don't have any of that. Um, and if we think of other news, you know, so I know in relation to when the Goldman Sachs news came, came out, the CEO of um, Citigroup um, put out some news in relation to their, I think they're called their reset days where they have no Zoom Fridays, which again is a really good idea. But then for people who don't have shared norms and values and actually understand the benefits of rest, all they're going to do is put all those meetings into another day <laughs> and make the other day busier, right? So I think what's really, really important if people are doing flexible work arrangements, and there's a lot of research around this, specifically from Professor Leslie Perlow out of Harvard, it's really important to get work design in so you can actually have shared values and norms so that people understand what it is as far as 
what are people's demands and resources what's the best way of contacting james if something does happen over the weekends do i send him an email whatsapp a, a facebook message or is there just one channel because mm-hmm. none of us have agreed this right it's quite a a tricky one so yeah it's it's a complex science but i think for me possibly the most important thing is when we're doing that we need to educate people as to the positives of why we're doing it so you know have whether it's unplug or another member of the digital wellness institute collective come in and actually say well look guys this is the science around why we need to rest and this is how technology is impacting us. Let's look at the positives of that. Let's look at designing in on an average workday certain breaks. And we can do that through the Pomodoro technique. And that yes. might work for some people, it might be, you know, a totally foreign idea for other people, but every person is different. And as I think it's the third time I've mentioned this now, but you know, this the spectrum of all of us being different has widened and it's widening and it's widening. Um, but I do think, and, and I actually had this from so one of our uh, senior uh, scholarly advisors is Monadipa Tarafta, yes. um, Professor Monadipa Tarafta, and she teaches a, an MBA. Um, so she was one of the, the key scholars to, to define techno stress. And she said to me recently, some of her graduates from the M- MBA, one of the, the key questions they're asking when they go for job interviews is, what is your strategy around remote first working which is very different from flexible working arrangements it's like what is the long-term thinking here how is this going to work from a behavioral point of view what are the guardrails what are the have you a communications and teams charter um which you know that's that's they're the hard questions that need to be asked and i think it's almost a little bit like you know when digital well-being first came in and everyone's like great we've got the tools it's fixed It's, it's really not as simple as that I mean, we've had nutritional labels on food for decades and we still mm-hmm. struggle with an obesity crisis. You know, we, we need help with this. Yeah, and, and as I just say, it's accelerated at the minute. Yeah. Well. It's real. It's not something that's coming. It's real. We're experiencing yep. it. We're living it. Um, yep. and, and, and I wasn't aware of this, uh, Chris, myself. And of course, this goes back to maybe some handrails on it, you know, where there's legislation currently um, mm. in front of the doll. I think it's called the right to disconnect bill Um, and I think there's also a working from home bill there as well which I presume is an attempt to have some of the 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 handrails or the guardrails in this area and of course nothing is finalized with that legislation as yet but 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 there could be something coming down the road there um, you know that that organizations HR professionals will need to pay attention to um, uh, and I suspect you're an advocate for that you know for for something there to be uh, to be a support or, or a guide for people. Yeah, I, I think it's using those exact words there, uh, James, guide and, and mm. support as opposed to hard rules, legislations, laws. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's something as far as the right to disconnect legislation that was introduced to France quite a few years ago now. Uh, and it, right. was really a dis- it was really to encourage a discussion on working hours to prevent burnout. That was really the driver for it. And there's been lots of other countries that have adopted similar policies. So Germany is one that has, I guess, really looked at this from a self-regulation point of view, as far as a lot of the big manufacturing companies. So most of the big car manufacturers would actually have technology that switches off email out of working hours, you know, and it's that whole thing of, so how can we make this appropriate for each organization, for each team? Because a one size fits all just isn't going to work. It really isn't. So for us, we'd be keen that this, isn't rushed into legislation um, because there's there's something in between, you know, if we can help people with tools. So I just take a a really, I guess it's quite a unique example, but 
Microsoft behind the scenes, if you're running Microsoft, you have a product called My Analytics. Mm-hmm. Now, My Analytics, um, you mentioned one of my favorite professors earlier, Professor Gloria Mark from mm-hmm. California Irvine University. Her expertise is task switching. Her modus operandi is she wants to help people to single task. She's on the research team for My Analytics. So if we all have My Analytics or the equivalent from Oracle or SAP or whatever it might be that popped up at the end of every 25 minutes and just said, hey, James, do you want to take a two minute break? Because mm-hmm. if you do, you're going to be more effective. Okay. You know, and, and I think if we can have those sort of guardrails in place and bear in mind, it wouldn't be as simple as just that message. <laughs> we're all different, right? So, but, but if we're using technology and is AI running in the background and you know machine learning as to our habits and our behavior do we work better you know because some of our jobs we need to be collaborative some of our jobs don't you know an artist is a very different job from a computer programmer you know what what are the skills that we need to have whether it is deep work or shallow work or collaborative work or agile work and if the, the the actual software we're using is monitoring how we work and monitoring our working hours and then coming back to us at the end of the working week and saying this is how we think you should work more effectively that could be That's, for us a far better fit. Yes, yes. Yeah. The right, the right to disconnect. Will the the key thing for us is it's going to kick the conversation off. You know, I think we had this big. We, we were thinking it was going to be a tsunami, but it wasn't when, when Google first launched digital well-being. But I think for this, if this starts organizations to start raising awareness and educating their staff around, mm-hmm. okay, this is why we need the right to disconnect. Because for us, a big thing, and this I think this was so pertinent in that Goldman Sachs case, because if I think back to the black and white days when I was a graduate, I would have done anything to like prove my my ability yes. and if i'd have had technology i, I did have technology but it was a, a big computer <laughs> so, so so different you know and i couldn't certainly couldn't take it home with me um but if i'd have had technology that i could have worked the weekends i would yeah i would have totally done it and you know as humans we we have a really especially in the, the world of um the corporate world in this whole culture of performance we really struggle to put a cap on things um so you know, within within that realm, I think as well, it's having leaders actually be really good role models. Yes. So Je- Jeff Weiner had some really good good concepts on this. Um, the co-founder of LinkedIn. Yes. He wrote he wrote an article all about the need for um, scheduling time to do nothing. And you know, I think it's it's leaders like that, or the likes of the um, ex head of Google for Ireland, Fanula Mahan, who had two phones. You know, she had a work phone and a home phone, and she was very clear about when I leave the office, I leave my work phone in the office um because if we don't see that from the people that we're aspiring to be like you know if we have there are some ceos who claim to wake up at 3 a.m and power through and you you know basically their lunchtime is like eight o'clock in the morning when the rest of us are thinking about waking (laughs) up although you know and i admit i wake up early but i also go to bed really early you know and i would never advocate that's for everyone it's really about finding your own your own flow but yeah i think the key is it will start conversation which is really good and, and quite which exciting. is so. yeah yeah and i'm sort of thinking as well like you know the way you've got well, like cookies on websites or whatever and you look up something on instagram and the next minute it's appearing somewhere else or you you have a conversation you know with someone and the next minute you're getting ads for it um, yeah it's like that technology, if that can be harnessed in some way to match yeah, how you're working exactly your and, and, yeah. and to be an ally for you with it, um, my goodness, that would be such a, um, 
such a resource. Yep. Uh, Chris, fascinating to chat with you in, in this whole area because I say it's so pertinent, it's so real for people. Um, but we're going to have to move towards close. And um, there's a few questions that I always ask my guests. Sometimes it leads to different conversations. Sometimes it just gives us more, more insight or the odd humorful story, as it were. Mm. So let me fire a few quick, quick, quick fire questions at you to, to close. Um, sure. What's your most cherished possession? Um, well, seeing as he stopped barking uh, after <laughs> you'd given, given him his grand announcement, it's going to have to be my, my little my little. Oh, insight. you'd have to give him a good, a good cuddle <laughs> and a pet <laughs> yeah, and a treat yeah. before Absolutely. you go on to your next call. Yeah. What, um, uh, what inspires you? Um, learning. Uh, I, I went back to, to college very late in life, like 25 years after, after leaving as an undergrad. And I, I think as an undergrad, it was purely social. Um, yeah. I, I really, I had a lot of good life experience, but I don't really think I learned that much. Whereas this time, I, I remember in the first week at DCU, being in a queue at whatever it was, five to eight, wanting to be the first person in the library. <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm really getting a lot from that. It's, it's, yeah, I feel very blessed to be able to do that. Yeah, and at DCU, I know I've, I've, uh, yep. I've huge time for them yep. um, as a, as a, as a university. Um, speaking of learning, I mean, I'm with you on that one, and and you've given plenty of resources here. You know, not just uh, you know in terms of people checking out your 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 own website, but the Common Sense Media and, and mm. many of those. Um, thought leaders in the area as well and um, but is there what is it that you're currently reading or listening to or or something that's feeding you at the minute hmm. so a few things um i actually listened to your podcast last week james the one on fulfillment which i really really like because i do think thank you pur- purpose and self-compassion are, are so hugely important and we just often forget them in, in yeah. the rat race you know so really enjoying your podcast from a I guess from a reading point of view I typically try to balance out fun and not fun right so um so I've just finished reading and interestingly this was a bit of a, a one that fell over two sides I've just finished reading Professor Luke O'Neill's book never mind the bollocks is the science um right. which I, I must admit that was going to be a, a more serious read for me but I really really enjoyed it and and also just and, and maybe I just didn't read the marketing right. I thought it was going to be all about COVID and it's not. It's about so much more like mental health, climate change. So fascinating book. But what I'm reading now is something that I'm super excited. I literally arrived yesterday. Um, one of my biggest influences in, in actually setting up Unplug was the um, MIT sociologist Sherry Turkle mm-hmm. and her latest book, The Empathy Diaries, uh, which is part bio um but really an understanding of why she's worked on 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 empathy um so that's my i know her book is is quite academic and quite serious that's my serious book and then for light-hearted stuff to balance that out at the moment i'm listening to alan partridge's from the oast house podcast oh, so i just oh. so yeah yeah that balances oh, it, and, and that's what the, that's what the key is yeah. lastly chris if there was uh, you know a motto or a favorite quote or words that inspire you was something that comes to mind yeah so can i do two james of course you can there's two there's one that always pops up which is really simple and then i just think if i can remember the other one properly um so for me um you know i've had my own struggles with with mental health and um the the key learnings for me have come from the likes of gabba mate and and johan hari for them it's all about managing connection into nature into your Mm -hmm. purpose and into nourishing people 
I can't remember whether it was Gabor or Johan who first said it, but it was a really simple thing. They just said the opposite of addiction is connection. Okay. And I just think it's so, so powerful. Um, the other is from um, Victor Franklin, the um, Holocaust survivor oh, and yes. psychiatrist and, and author. Mm-hmm. So this really comes down to, and I think this is just so pertinent in so many parts of our life that, you know, between stimulus and response, there's a space. Yeah. And in that space is our power to choose our response. Yes. Yes. And and that for me is, you know, whether you look at it really kind of from a bells and smells point of view of that's mindfulness and meditation mm-hmm. or just in life when we have those, because it's so rare, we have that space. And when we do, coming back to the idea of task switching, because we have programmed our brains now to constantly task switch. So we're not, we're no longer responding. We're reacting to everything. Yes. It's very different, you know, as opposed to saying, hey, we're saying, hey. Um, and that for me is so important. We need to come back to responding and just creating a little, little bit more space. And I know, you know, it might sound a little bit bells and smells saying we need to slow down. But if we don't buffer our lives with more quiet time, then unfortunately our demands and resources are all going to go skew if and we're going to end up burnt out mm. so I, I think you know i mean man's search for meaning from victor is obviously yeah. it's hugely hugely um groundbreaking book but um yeah I, I do like that that quote that's you're so spot on and a lovely way yep. to close that gap between stimulus and response it's 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 as relevant now as ever maybe even more so because the stimulus is constant um yep. uh chris thank you i've uh, there was so much in there and so many resources for people to check out as well not least of which of course is your your website unplughq.com and and as you mentioned there's different resources in there that's available to people um uh, thank you for being generous with your with your time and your your insights and i say it's a fascinating area and it's one that is that is that is so relevant and will continue to be so relevant both for for those of us at an individual level and also um uh, you know, for in charge of teams or our own organizations. So thank you, sir. Thank you for your, for your input and, uh, and your conversation today. James, it was still delight. Always good to catch up. Thank you so much. So my thanks again to Chris Flack and his website one more time is unplughq.com. Uh, plenty, I've scribbled plenty of notes uh, as I was listening to Chris there. So do check out his website and also on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Um, so I'm James Sweetman. More information about me is available on my own website, jamesweetman.com. Uh, if you found this episode of benefit, do consider passing it on or sharing it on, on social media or giving us a, a star rating or a comment. Um, they're always appreciated. And until next week. <laughs>